Welcome to day three of our look through Hebrews chapter two, week two of our look at the book of Hebrews. We're going to focus on just one verse today, verse 10 of Hebrews chapter two. Let me begin by reading this verse. And as I read it, you might listen for four words that we're going to focus on in this verse. Hebrews 2.10, in bringing many sons to glory, it was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the author of their salvation perfect through suffering. Here are the four words, fitting, glory, author, and perfect. Sometimes it's good just to look at the words in a verse and bring them out, and especially that last one, perfect. We need to do some talking about that one and what it means. But let's look at the other three first. First, the word fitting. Now, I want to look at that word first because in the Greek language that the New Testament was first written in, it is the first word in this sentence. Many times a word would be used first in a sentence in Greek to give it emphasis. So it says here, fitting it was that God, and bringing many sons to glory, and goes on. It starts with the word fitting. It's telling you what to look forward to. What we're about to see in this verse, the truths we're about to look at, fits. It fits with who God is. It fits with God's plan. It fits with what God wants to do in your life. It fits with who Jesus is and how God works in this world. It all fits together. God has a plan that fits. God has a plan that fits all of human history. God has a plan that fits all the way into eternity, but that also comes down to your life, your daily life. God has a plan that fits your life today. And everything we're going to talk about here, there's some grand things that we're talking about here. They span all of human history in many ways. But don't forget to see how God wants to fit these truths into your life. First word, fitting. Second word, glory. Now, that's a big word, glory. In bringing many sons to glory. Now, remember, in that day, the word son was used particularly because the son, the firstborn, was the one who got the inheritance. So the word son is used here not to exclude women. It's not talking about just men here. It's to say, in bringing those who would get the inheritance, men and women both, to glory. Now, I know some of you women are thinking, well, this is, I don't like this. I mean, why use the word sons? Because I'm a woman. Well, just remember that the church is called the bride of Christ. There's a lot of men who need to think of themselves as a bride, and there's some women who need to think of themselves, in this case, as a son. We both have our challenges with this. It's because God wants to get some truths across to us. They can only be gotten across by these words. It is the bride who is honored, and it is the son who's going to get the inheritance. In bringing many of us to glory, many of those who will get the inheritance to glory, God says, I want to bring you into this in my family. When you think about the glory of God, it's not just his alone, he says. I'm going to bring it into your life. The Bible here tells us, verse 10 tells us, that God is the one for whom and through whom everything exists. There's nothing that's been made in the universe that God didn't make for his glory, to reveal what he's like. But then it also says here, he's going to bring many sons to that glory. God wants to have many children in his family, sons and daughters who would share his glory. God created everything because he wants a family. And he wants you in that family. And that family is going to last forever. And being part of that family means not only that I glorify him, I enjoy his glory, which would have been enough for me. And I think most of you would think that would be plenty for me. No, we get to also share his glory in the glory of who he is. I don't know all that that means, but it humbles me even to think that God would be willing to share his glory, to bring us to the glory of who he is. We don't become like God in the way that we are a God in some way. 
But in some sense, we share in the glory of God's character, the glory of God's power, the glory of God's person for all of eternity. We worship him and we share his glory. Fitting, glory. Third word, the author. He should make the author of their salvation, that's Jesus, perfect through suffering. I want to focus on this word because it is such a big word in the Greek language. The word archagos that's used here, one translation of it is author, but it's a word that has so many meanings to it. It has the idea behind it of someone who begins something, who does something, so that other people can enter into it. So an author writes a book so that I can enter into the world of that author, so I can understand what they have to say. But this rich word, it could also be translated a trailblazer or a guide, somebody who went before us to make the way for us. It could also be translated champion, the victor. This is the one who won the victory for us so all of us can enjoy the victory parade. That's the idea here. That's the depth of this word. That's what Jesus did for us. That's what Jesus did for you. He is the author of our salvation, not just the writer, but the trailblazer, the guide, the champion of our salvation. But then there's this phrase, the last phrase in this verse that makes a lot of us scratch our heads. He should make Jesus, the author of our salvation, perfect through suffering. Now, there's a question in that word, perfect, but there's also a great truth in that word. Make perfect through salvation. The Greek word teleos here, the word perfect, we look at it and we think, wait, wait a minute. Isn't Jesus already perfect? I mean, he's God in human flesh. If I know anything about God, I know this. He is perfect. So how could Jesus be made perfect if he's already perfect? This word that's used here in Greek really has more to do with being fully mature in your purpose than it has to do with living out your character. Of course, Jesus is perfect in character. He never sinned. But the idea here is being perfect in his work, fully carrying out the purpose for which something is designed. And Jesus, although he was perfect in character, he had work to do. So to be perfect means he finished his work. He completed it. Jesus was made perfect for the purpose that God sent him on earth to accomplish. And notice that that happened through suffering. God used the suffering that Jesus faced on this earth to make him perfect, fully fitted, fully able, fully completing. He was already fitted and able in his character but fully completing in his work that which God had called him to do through suffering, through obviously the suffering of the cross. That's the number one place that you see Jesus' suffering carrying out the work of God in our lives, but also through the suffering of the temptations he faced on this earth, the trials that he faced, the criticisms that he faced. Through all the sufferings, God used all of those problems that Jesus faced all the way along the way to get him to the place of completing the work that God had called him to do. Jesus was made perfect through suffering. One of the truths behind this, the deep truth behind this is, do you and I think we're any different than Jesus? If Jesus needed to be made perfect through suffering, obviously that's the way God's going to work in our lives as well. So God allows problems in our lives to teach us, to perfect us. Now, in our case, he perfects us both in character and in the purpose that God has for our lives. With Jesus, it was only in the work that God had. But in our case, it's also in our character. God uses the problems in my life even when I don't understand it, even when I don't recognize what he's doing to teach me, to make me, to form me, to fashion me. As I look back over my life, the very things that caused me the most pain are the things that caused the greatest growth in my life. Most of us, and this is certainly true for my life, 
we rarely learn from success. We enjoy our successes, but we're really learning the most when we face a failure. The greatest pains, the greatest difficulties in life are those things that God uses to develop your character and also direct you into the work that he wants you to do, to grow and develop you to become more and more of what he wants you to be. Now, I will admit there are some who try to twist this. There are some who try to cause their own suffering in order to grow. They misunderstand this verse. So by what they deny themselves or how they treat themselves, abuse themselves, they think, I'll make myself suffer and that will cause me to grow. When you try to do it to yourself, the truth of the matter is it just causes pride rather than growth because you look at how much you're suffering and you know that you did it to yourself. So you think, well, I'm better than other Christians. That's not what works. We're not talking here about something you cause yourself. We're talking here about the trials, the temptations that Satan throws at us. And when Satan throws a trial, a temptation, a trouble your way, if I choose to trust God instead of myself, I'm going to grow. I'm going to grow in character. I'm going to grow in my ability to fulfill God's purposes. Now, as we pray today, I would doubt that there's anybody listening that's not going through a trial, a temptation right now. So let's give those to God. Our Father, we would love to live in a world, we're just being honest with you, where there was no suffering, where we didn't have to go through any troubles or trials or problems to grow. But that's not the world we live in. One day we'll be in heaven, we'll be full grown, we'll be perfected like Jesus is, but we're not there yet. And so, Lord, instead of looking at the trials and temptations and troubles and difficulties of life and thinking that somehow you've abandoned us, Help us to instead see that even through those, you can grow us. Instead of getting caught up and wondering why this happened, was it Satan, was it me, was it God, why did this happen? Help us to realize that regardless of why this temptation happened, why this trial happened, this trouble happened, regardless, you can grow me through it as I trust in you. And so, Lord, I refresh my trust in you right now. As I walk through this, I need you. I trust you. And Lord, I remind myself that this world is not all there is. You're growing me in the work you have for me in this world, but you're also growing me to become the person you want me to be for all of eternity. And so I trust you. In Jesus' name, amen.